0: Welcome to today's edition of the Author's Corner, brought to you by KNEO 91.7 FM, The Word, and I'm Roberta Foster. Today, I welcome Ralph Hawkins to Author's Corner, and he has written the book, Ancient Wisdom for the Good Life. And it is published by Hendrickson Publishers. And he'll tell you more about how to find this book and others that he's written uh, towards the end of our program. So a little bit about Ralph. He is a professor of religion and director of the program in religion at Everett University in Virginia. Uh, he is a co-director of the Jordan Valley Excavation Project and the author of several books that he can mention to you in here in a little bit. Uh, Ralph, thank you so much for joining me on Author's Corner.
1: Thank you, Roberta. Del- delighted to be with you.
0: So I like to start with basic things at the beginning. So I went to your book introduction and you discuss the meaning of the good life. So uh, why don't you summarize for our listeners what uh, you describe the good life to be and how godly wisdom will help us in achieving that.
1: So the good life has been a subject of uh, inquiry among the great thinkers of uh, Western civilization for centuries and centuries and centuries, and uh, in classical philosophy, particularly uh, the great thinkers like Plato and Socrates and Aristotle were thinking about the good life and uh, how one might attain it, uh, so it's it's actually a very prominent subject. Um, uh, subject in, in classical philosophy uh, In American Culture People tend to think of the good life As um, Something that has to do with acquiring a lot of possessions Or you know a nice house Living uh, mm. uh, a, a Lavish lifestyle things like that We we tend to uh, If you look up uh, the good life On dictionary.com Or Merriam-Webster or whatever You'll find definitions That um, Uh, at least the way it's used in um, conversational English when people talk about the good life. They they tend to mean physical things that they can acquire, Mm -hmm. um, that kind of thing. When the philosophers of the classical period talked about it, they they tended to mean um, the examined life. (laughs) And... uh, Uh, They thought that to attain the uh, good life, you you had to be uh, very well educated, and you had to engage in really deep contemplation and learning in order to get a lot of intellectual (laughs) um, depth, and and, uh, only through intellectual uh, achievement and uh, personal virtue could a person attain the good life. So really, in classical philosophy, you know, how many people are really equipped to engage in, uh, you know, heavy intellectual uh, thought and and the pursuit of uh, personal virtue? Most people are very busy. They don't have time to sit around philosophizing Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, so on. So when the classical philosophers like Plato and Socrates and Aristotle talked about the, the pursuit of the good life, they said, you know, to be honest, most people just will never attain the good life mm. because they cannot successfully uh, uh, engage in the kinds of intellectual pursuits that are required in order to attain it. And and so they said that for ordinary people, the good life is out of reach. Um, in the Old Testament, though, we have a collection of uh, wisdom books, and uh, these are uh, uh, Job, Proverbs, parts of the Psalms, uh, uh, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Songs, and mm-hmm. all together, these books make up the uh, part of the canon that's referred to as, as the wisdom literature, <laughs> and uh, according to ancient Israel sages who wrote the wisdom literature, um, they said that the was that the good life, rather, um, it's not just for a select few, but that it can be attained by anybody. Mm. And um, that's that's one of the exciting things about the biblical um, wisdom literature. Mm-hmm. It, it says, okay, here, here's this idea of the good life, and anybody can attain it. Fantastic. <laughs> so the invitation, yeah. So the invitation is open for all, um, and that's really neat. The some passages that really highlight this idea, um, of, for example, in Psalm eight, Psalm eight imagines um, it, w- wisdom; it, it personifies wisdom as a, a lady. So uh, sometimes biblical scholars refer to. This figure is Lady Wisdom, and she stands out in the street in in an imaginary Israelite town, and she yells out to those passing by, um, calling them to come in and learn from her. And in Psalm, um, or I'm sorry, Proverbs eight, uh, uh, particularly uh, the around uh, the first few verses. Uh, She says, to the people I call, and my cry goes out to everybody who lives. And she says, oh, simple ones, learn prudence, acquire intelligence, all you who lack it. So she's not calling the highly educated or those who can sit down and study philosophical texts. She's calling ordinary, simple people, uh, uneducated people, ordinary people, to come in and learn from her. That's, Mm -hmm. That's the call of ancient Israel sages. Anybody can become a wise person um, by studying the wisdom literature.
0: Very good. And one of the things, or one of the Bible verses that is common when talking about wisdom is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And so taking a hold of the wisdom literature that you're talking about provides a lot of insight into how living a life that is pleasing to God actually helps us to live that good life, doesn't it?
1: Right, (laughs) yeah, and you had asked me that at the beginning, how how would would I really define the good life, and I neglected to answer that, but uh, yeah, so the sages invite people to come in and and learn from Lady Wisdom, and the purpose is to... um, to attain the good life that's that's held out um, uh, on offer to the people, you know, and um, th- through the study of the wisdom literature, uh, the, the ancient people could attain the good life, and that meant um, for the for the biblical writers <clears throat> that um, meant that they would um, achieve lives that. Um, would be very successful. Uh, I, I don't mean that necessarily monetarily, but I, I mean lives that would work, lives that would function properly, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it, it, as opposed to a life that crashes and burns. Right. right. In fact, the wisdom lighters, the wisdom writers, uh, believed that um, following wisdom would actually result in a longer lifespan. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: in Proverbs four verses ten through twenty seven. Um, the author says, "Hear, my child, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many." So, um, so, so the people would come and embrace the study of wisdom, and it would literally uh, lead to a life that that flourished and uh, was was literally longer. Uh, the writer goes on a few verses later and says, "The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn." Mm -hmm. which shines brighter and brighter until full day, skipping down a few verses later. He says, um, for they are life. That is these words of wisdom. They are life to those who find them, uh, find them healing to all their flesh. Um, The writer goes on and talks a little bit about um, what it means to walk the path of wisdom. He says, put away from you crooked speech put devious talk far from you Mm -hmm. let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you keep straight the path of your feet and all your ways will be sure so the person who walks the path of wisdom will have a sure step uh, an unfaltering step Um, don't swerve to the right or to the left don't turn your foot away uh, uh, nor turn your foot away to evil Uh, so the idea is that a Uh, A life lived in pursuit of wisdom would be a longer life, a fuller life, and a healthier life, a successful life, we might say in today's terms.
0: Okay. Well, let me remind the listeners I'm talking today with Ralph Hawkins regarding his book, Ancient Wisdom for the Good Life, and it's published by Hendrickson Publishers, and you are listening to Authors Corner. I'm Roberta Foster. So you tackle a number of different subjects in the book based primarily on kind of the themes of the uh, wisdom literature books of the bible and so one of them is the whole issue of integrity how does the bible in, encourage us to be uh, to walk in integrity and are we seeing that in today's society
1: <laughs> are we seeing it in today's society <laughs> well <laughs> um I think there's been a decline in integrity in today's society. I mean, we, li- we live in a culture that seems seems to uh, have experienced a decline in integrity. Uh, there's a, Back in the 1970s, there was a um, a famous uh, physician named Dr. Carl Menninger, and he wrote a book that became a classic for many years called Whatever Became of Sin, but he mm. talks about the decline mm-hmm. of uh, integrity and in, uh uh, today's society. And part of that is um, part of that decline of integrity grew out of a rejection of the idea of sin. And that's kind of interesting. You know, the church today has become so focused on grace, and, um, um, you know, it, it's almost, uh, grace is emphasized so heavily that there's a de emphasis of. Um, of the idea of sin and that the idea that humankind is estranged from God mm-hmm. and, and needs reconciliation, but so the, the word sin has largely been expunged from our mm-hmm. modern American vocabulary. There, there may be there are probably some denominations that have a strong a higher view of sin, you know, and maybe talk about sin more. But especially in the, the so called mainline denominations like the United Methodist Church, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the Presbyterian Church USA, uh, Episcopal Church USA, the the so called mainline. Um, I think the idea of sin has has very much declined. Um, but but you you ask about what the wisdom writers have to say about recovering integrity. W- when people think about the wisdom literature, they don't often think about. Torah, the the, uh, God's law from the Torah. Uh, In Judaism, the first five books of the Bible are called the Torah. In Christianity, they're often referred to as the Pentateuch, but the books um, of the Torah or the Pentateuch go from Genesis through Deuteronomy, and they include God's law. So that's, that's the Torah. So people usually have like sort of a hard division. They think of the Torah as over here and the wisdom literature over here. And they, it's almost like they imagine that there's no relationship between the two. But if you read the wisdom literature closely, um, y- you, you will see that uh, the wisdom writers thought of um, the Torah a- a- as intimately intertwined with wisdom. They thought of wisdom as um, built on the foundation of the Torah. They they thought of the two as uh, inextricably intertwined.
0: Today I've been talking with Ralph Hawkins about his book, Ancient Wisdom, published by Hendrickson Publishers. Ralph, how can people find out more about this book and your others?
1: Well, they can just go to Amazon.com and look up Ancient Wisdom for the Good Life, or they can go to the publisher's website, which is uh, uh, HendricksonRose.com. HendricksonRose.com, they can look it up at either of those locations and find a copy. It's also available on audio through Amazon's Audible. Oh, great.
0: Uh, So one more time, the book is Ancient Wisdom for the Good Life, written by Ralph Hawkins and published by Hendrickson Publishers. We thank them for giving us a copy of the book to talk about. And Ralph, thank you so much for being with us on Author's Corner.
1: Thank you so much, Roberta. It was great to be with you. I appreciate it.
0: And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you missed any part of today's interview or would like to hear it again, you can find it on your favorite podcast provider or through KNEO.org. Join us again next time on Author's Corner. I'm Roberta Foster.
1: Do you have five minutes for God? I'm Pastor Ed Wilson, and I believe there's no better way to begin each morning than spending a little time with him. That's why every weekday morning I bring you a short devotional broadcast designed just for that. Look up God's 5 Minutes wherever you get your podcast to kickstart your spiritual walk for each day. We'll always do it in 5 minutes or less. Have you talked to God today?